I'm Aurier Schwartz, along with my co-host tonight, Pat Ralph, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover different topics important to the W, using X's and O's, along with key stats to bring honest and critical analysis. As the offseason has come, uh, it's been an exciting time. It's a little, a little bit less exciting now in the offseason, but... We're going to focus on what we already did one episode on uh, on the L.A. Sparks. Now what we're doing is kind of breaking down, looking in-depth at each team, what happened, what went wrong, and what worked uh, throughout 2018. This episode, and, we, and we've been trying to bring in all of our beat reporters for this, um, and covering New York this year was my co-host, Pat Ralph. Uh, and Pat, you know, a little bit of a tumultuous season for the team. One thing I need to get off my chest real quick, and then we can dive into this, yeah. is, well, quite frankly, I've been waiting all season to say it. I told you so. Um, <laughs> when it came I mean, to you put it our very, maybe put it a little too, What? I was going to say, no, go ahead. Continue. Sorry. Go ahead. My apologies. No, no, no. I was just going to say, like, I, look, there was a, I got a lot of flack, and back when uh, my co-host Eli Horowitz was on the show with me... Um, we got a lot of flack in our preseason breakdowns. I said I did not expect this New York team to make the playoffs. I expected them to take a huge step backwards, and a lot of factors go into it. One, the rest of the league kind of adjusting their game style. In my opinion, New York has always been a team that has stayed in an old-school mindset and kind of been chasing, chasing the champs, if you will, of L.A., of Minnesota, of even the Mercury. Um, they've always kind of been, in my mind, a tier below. And this season, what we saw was every team in the league, besides uh, the ones I just mentioned, really made offseason moves and style of play moves to step up that level and, and close that gap. And I didn't see that from New York. We, I mean, look, I, we reached out to fans and we said, what team would you like us to see cover in our next episode? And one of the one of the responses we got was New York, and and the response was New York because I feel like every time New York was talked about this season, it was just about how you know bad bad conditions to play in, the ownership, all that jazz. So we'll get into that, but that, we'll save that for the end. Pat, yeah, how would you grade New York um, this season? Oh, it's an F. It's an F. Dang. I mean, you, you would even give them a little bit of something. A little bit of like a D minus. I mean, I mean, how can I mean? Here's the thing. I think you put it lightly when you say little tumultuous. I mean, this is this is like I mean, this is a this was a. I mean, I think when I mean, let me ask you this, and then I'll go into what you asked me. When you and Eli, and when even you said in the beginning of the year, I think you can be honest here. Maybe you did pick this, but did you expect them to like? I'm sure. I I'm, I know you picked them to not make the playoffs, but I don't think you could even imagine that they finished. Seven and twenty-seven with the second worst record in the league. Did you see that coming? You're right. I was shocked. I, I didn't think it'd be that bad. Right. I mean, that's where, and that's where I lead into. Like, this team was like, they're they are at least in their minds, they're built to win now. At least in their philosophical approach, they want to win now. And this is a team that's had for the last three years, not including this season that just wrapped up from 2015, 2016, 2017, three straight playoff appearances. Three straight years with the best record in the Eastern Conference. Um, obviously not much to show for it when they got to the playoffs, but this is a team that was consistently a 21, 22, 23 win team uh, for three straight years. And then to not even just – there's one thing. I mean, yeah, I think a, I think you know some people pick them to not make the playoffs and take a step back, which is okay. That's one thing. If they win like 
14 games or 13 games. Okay, that's one thing. But to go 7-27, and to finish only one game better than the Indiana Fever, who everyone knew from the start of the season were in no business interested in winning games this year. I mean, they were not competing for playoffs. There is a team that is fully fledged on rebuilding in a full in a full rebuild mode, and they only finished one game better than them. It's just – I give them an F. I mean, there's really – I mean, there are some positives. There are some bright spots to get into that you could conceivably raise it up to a D minus if you want. But like overall, I think it's an F because it's just they were. There was really. I mean, they finished the season on a. It was it a ten game losing streak, a twelve game losing streak. I mean, they 13. just 13, 13. 13 game losing streak. I mean, they just I, I, they didn't win from. I think it was like third the third week in July on. I mean, the last month they didn't win a game. Um, well, I, wa- I do want to throw something out there. Interesting yeah. little tidbit. Uh, last year, or I guess two years now at that point, uh, yeah. Bill Lambert's last year, a lot of uh, one of the things that I always pointed to was yeah, before they had a ten game win streak right, to close right. out the season last year, yeah, and and that really pushed them to the spot they were in. Now you see them have a thirteen game losing streak to close out the close out the year. I mean, ooh, yeah, and that's I mean, the thing, yeah. And that's what you you make a great point because they had to you know it was was it, the question that came out of that like you're alluding to is was that an anomaly or not which was the real liberty was the liberty the team that was twelve and twelve and was kind of sputtering along and like kind of middle of the pack probably would make the playoffs but it was going to be like a a five or six seed in the East behind Connecticut and Washington because you remember in 2017 we go back two years now Connecticut was the flavor of the month in the East you remember that was the year they kind of broke out mm-hmm. but then the Liberty caught them in the second half and ended up finishing better or were the Liberty, that team that won 10 in a row and just, you know, played an amazing final month of basketball in 2017. Clearly that was not it. Um, and even this year, it just felt like they kind of went through some weird phases. I mean, this beginning of the year they had, you know, I think it took them to their eighth game of the season to lose attack, not lose, but have a game decided by double digits. I mean, they well, I was going to say that that was a, yeah. that was one of the things that stood out to me was a lot of their early losses were close, and a lot of people were coming back at me very early saying, "Hey, I mean, yeah, the record's not that great, but every game's like a, a last second shot loss." Right, and the thing was was that you know, remember Kurt Miller said he said based on how they played, um, I think they're the team to beat still in the East. And I'm so, I am I'm so glad you brought that up because. <laughs> We, can, we cannot talk about the – and I love Kurt. If yeah. Kurt's listening, I love you, man. But I got to give you credit for <laughs> yes, this. Yes, we love you, Kurt. I yeah, mean, do. Yeah, no, big fan. Big fan of your work. And I, I know he's 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 said some nice words about our work, and, and I'll take the flack when we make ridiculous statements. But I spoke about this earlier on the pod. Uh, the preposterous statement award of the year 100% goes to Kurt Miller saying the team to beat in the league is the Liberty. Uh, and I think at that, at that point, it wasn't even like, a, oh, it's three games into the season and this team could be the same team that was like made to the playoffs last. Like it was already clear who they were. And a lot of us were sent scratching our heads. So uh, shame. <laughs> but right. I'm, so glad, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. We, we can move on. Now. Yeah, but no, but you're right. I mean, like that's they went through these phases. I look at it. They went through three phases where it was just kind of like, OK. You know, I like to, I don't know, I'm just going to like use very broad terms. Like the first phase was like, like we think we can, we think we can. Like we're, we're competing, we're playing hard. The, res- the ball is literally not bouncing our way. 
we're losing these games or we're winning. And but like the games are being decided by like single digits. The first seven or eight games of the season. I think we took them until like their eighth game of the season. I could go back and look. Um, but like, you know, where every game was being decided by single digits. Then they went through this phase where just kind of reality set in. They were losing a lot. They were just, you know, where, you know, then they had injuries started coming up. And then it really began to be like, okay, we're not that good. And that's when I think like reality set And then I look at the third part, which is like kind of like around all-star break and then the sprint to the rest of the year was just like, you know, we stink. You know what I mean? They were like realizing kind of like, you know, we're, we're just kind of done. But, you know, I felt that actually, even though they lost 13 in a row, I found that they're, they actually competed better. I feel like they played harder in that than they did in that middle span where it seemed like – it just seemed like they were really – really i mean not just struggling but they were really struggling with the fact that like accepting that like we're not that good and then it felt like once they accepted that when they even when they were on that losing streak they just were playing a lot harder and more consistently um even though the result wasn't going the way so they kind of had like three weird phases and stuff this year but overall it was just you know i go back to what i said it was just like an f and there's just a lot of there's a lot to unpack here and we are we'll get into this is it's much more complicated than just like X's and O's basketball. There's a lot going on here. Well, we'll talk in X's and O's basketball. Yeah. I mean, all right. If I'm looking through this league, and I'm not saying this to be that jerk who's saying it, but I'm looking through the league, and, you know, there's upside to every single team out there. Yeah. And I'm not saying there isn't an upside to New York, but what I am saying, and this kind of sucks to say, is just, you know, I don't know what their upside is. Like, I don't know yeah. what the next step is for them because you're looking at them. You have Tina Charles. Yeah. So you have that possibility. You have um, vet savvy bigs mm-hmm. who might not succeed the greatest in the new style of play that we're seeing in this league. Right. I mean, like, even, even Indiana, like, I look at Indiana and I go, okay, like, if they could, in an ideal world, draft this type of player then I could definitely see them make leaps and bounds. With New York, I'm, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself from last year of they really need to shake up this roster. Yeah. A lot of people, it sucks to say, are going to have to go. Yeah. Um, you, you're talking about a situation where you have four centers in, in on the roster or four people <laughs> designated as center yeah. on the roster. Yeah. And, like, I don't want to be a jerk, but – you know, one of the, one of the the big Kias has got to go. Yep. J- just saying it. Zowie B needs to be getting more minutes, even possibly starting minutes. She showed that this year. Correct. It, it just seems like you have a team of, I mean, you got the vet presence in Zealous and Prince and Marissa Cole. I mean, this team is is an older team that just it kind of seems like you kind of gotta wash the board, start from new, say hey. Brittany Boyd, okay, great, keeping you. Rebecca Allen, I'll keep you. Tina Charles, keeping you. Bria Hartley and Kia Nurse, I, and, and Sugar, fine. But, right. like, I mean, you got to make some tough decisions. I, I do not envy Katie Smith. I mean, this season got to a point, and, and I'm not saying this because I think she her job is in question. You right. know, talking about Chicago, I think uh, she deserve, uh, Amber, or Amber deserved, you know, one more season of that. And I'll say with Katie Smith, you can't judge her based off this one season where, I mean, her hands were tied in so many of these situ- in so many of these issues that the team had. 
But it got to a point during the season where I think everybody was legitimately questioning her as the head coach of this team. Well, you're 100% right. If we're looking at bright spots, and you brought up a few. Amanda Zowie B was a bright spot. She she played really well under Smith. It feels like this year she got a really more of an opportunity than she did under Lambeer. And she really sees that opportunity when she played and when she was healthy. Um, you know, she was a bright spot. Kia Nurse. I mean, Kia Nurse, for those first couple of weeks, she was probably the second best rookie in the league outside of Asia Wilson. Um, and I think Kia Nurse was probably, I think it's safe to say, was a top five rookie in the league this year, I would say. Um, you know, maybe even top three, depending upon what you'd say. You know, I think I think we could safely see number two was Ariel Atkins, but she's definitely in that grouping. Um, you know, she was a bright spot. You know, Brittany Boyd. I mean, we talked out during the year. Brittany Boyd, when she was on the floor – you know, she comes back this year healthy for the first time uh, in two years, and you could see the energy and the intensity she brings to that team, um, and just you know, just brings another level. Like you want her to get more minutes, and I think that it is there. And you've got obviously Chena Charles. You know, need I say more on that front? You know, but there is a lot of players that just don't fit, and you know, I think both I think both Kias need to go. I think the both bigs need to go. Um, I'm not sure what role any, I'm, I, I question, you know, what, you know, I think players like Epiphany Prince and, uh, and, you know, Marissa Coleman, Marissa Coleman was injured half the season. I don't see the reason why they would keep her. Um, you know, Epiphany Prince, I'm not really sure. She's always banged up, unfortunately, and she doesn't seem to fit with the style of play they're trying to play. I'm not sure yet. If, if, I'm not sure anymore if Savant and Shavante Zellis fits with that either. Um, I think sugar fits with it. I think just sugar had, you know, she was banged up. She didn't seem to have, she didn't have a year like she did in 2017. Um, the thing with the Liberty is that for my, from watching them and what I've gleaned and I wrote about this during the year is that, you know, Katie Smith. And I, I know that Liberty fans, I know a lot of people in the league think Katie should be fired. I, she hasn't lost her job. She's not going, they're going to give her at least another year and she deserves another year at least. I don't blame this on Katie. I understand they were there are obviously if you go back and look, there are some obviously first year coaching mistakes made. That happens to every coach, or at least most coaches. And I think that if you go back and look, there are some things that she did that you wonder, you're like, hmm, that didn't seem to add up, you know? But I think you give Katie another chance. But the thing is they have to decide is is that do we go, is the coach the problem or is the roster the problem? Because it's easier to say, okay. We all of us. What was the main change from 2017 to 2018? Well, it was the coach. So it's got to be a coaching problem. Well, look at it as this: it, from if you watch the Liberty play under Katie Smith, they play a lot different X's and O's wise than they did under Lambeer. I mean, they play faster. Um, they shoot more threes. They're playing more of a fast-paced transition, running gun style, more of a modern style. Um, they're just, they're playing more like that. They're not, but then the trade-off is they're not as good of a defensive team. They're not as good of rebounding as they were under Lambier. I mean, defense and rebounding were their calling cards with him. Uh, you know, they, they, they don't play as much in the half court anymore. Um, but the problem is though, is that they're playing this different style yet the team they have, the roster they have, which you're getting to RA is that it doesn't fit the style. You know, they're trying to shoot a lot of threes and play a run and gun up and down style. They have some players who cannot play in the who cannot play in transition. I mean, I mean, I hate to say this too, like, I'm, and this is not an indictment on her. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But like, ideally, Tina Charles does not really fit that style of play. I mean, she's more of a half court player, and she's played her career under two half um, through two primarily half court coaches between 
Mike Tebow and Bill Lambeer and now Katie Smith. So, you know, you're, 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 you know, you're trying to play a run good. It's not necessarily the style of play. She's her, her best is at, you know, her best play is at. So, I mean, I, I could see her as a, like, yeah. okay. Uh, imagine I could see her playing a similar role to Stewie in Seattle. Now I don't think they have the tools to do that in, in New York, but I could very well see her, you know, playing a stretch four and, and doing her thing. If you, if you surround her yeah. with players who can run a little bit more. Right. I mean, that's just my take. Yeah. But, and, and, and then you lead to a perfect point there, Ari, is that the problem is, is that you have a roster that doesn't fit the style of play. So you, you've got to either pick, do we, are we sticking to the style of play and the coach and we're going to change the roster, which that is, I'm of the belief of. And I think you are as well from what you said, or do you change the coach? But the problem is too, even if there isn't a style of play issue, the other issue too is that there were so many games this year where Tina Charles is single-handedly holding the team up and yeah. is so inconsistent this year. You don't know who you're going to get help from. I mean, oh, is tonight the night we're going to get 15 from Sugar Rogers? Oh, is tonight the night we're going to get 20 from Zowie B? Oh, is tonight the night we're going to get you know 20 from Kia Nurse? I mean, I you, it was so inconsistent. It was Russian roulette kind of who was going to kind of, you know, it was a musical chairs of who was going to be up. And I, I I just, I think it was just very inconsistent. And this team took a step back defensively. Like I said, they took a step back rebounding and they sacrificed those things. Like the st- the, the roster doesn't fit the style of play. And that's why I'm of the belief like you are that they need to make some changes to this roster. If they, if they come back and I'm so worried, and this would be such a Liberty thing to do to come back with a, a, slightly tweaked or not even touched roster next season. And they expect, you know, new results, you know, it, you know, that, that would be the most liberty thing ever. it'd be the most Liberty thing ever to come back next year with like, all they do is they add in a new draft pick. They, they add in their number two pick, which we can get to. They do that. They, they maybe let one player go and they go, you know what? We're ready. And it's like, you're going to have, you know, insanity is doing the same thing twice. If they don't realize like, they, 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 I hope this season realized then, like, they need to make changes and they need to make them ASAP because this clearly, like, whatever happens here was not working. You could see the frustration this year, and you were, you know, they were clearly not happy. And you, you let's let's yeah. just let's just do this real quick. Yeah. I mean, first person to go, in my opinion, I all right, I, I hear you on, on dropping both of the big Kias. Yep, I, in my opinion, I'm dropping Kia Vaughn and I'm keeping Kia Stokes, you know, three years in the league. She she took some steps back this season, yeah. uh, dropping her points per game by a couple points. You know, rebounds per game dropped by a couple rebounds. But I've definitely seen s- sparks from her that I like. Now, I see her more so as a backup to Zowie B. Yeah, I think you start Zowie B. You have Stokes as as your as your backup center, and then you got Charles at the four. And I think that's a good lineup. I think you will struggle a little bit because you. Like Stokes is going to have to come in as that true center. Yeah, in my opinion. Yep. Um, Marissa Coleman, I agree with you. Gone. Uh, Pivney. I I'll be honest with with Shavante and and Prince. I I want to say gone. Uh, I think a lot of me just from what they've done uh, has that sentimental value, and but I would pull the bandaid on it. You know, look. If you can drop four players from the roster from last year, that really gives you an opportunity, and by you I mean Katie Smith, to sit there and go, okay, you know, 
this is the style of play we're trying. The way, just to be quite frank, the way I look yeah. at it is Katie Smith sits down and she goes, okay, we have so many players that obviously are going to stay. I can't just wipe the board, keep Tina Charles and Kia Nurse, and then start over everywhere else. That that wouldn't make sense. Yep. And I don't think that's that's smart. What you do is is you take a few players that are are you know droppable, if you will, and you say, okay, that gives us at most or at least four positions where we could swap some new talent in and change our style of play. So let's assume. One of those four spots goes to a draft pick, which we're going to get to next, what type of position you're looking for. Um, But I just think, you know, having four spots on your roster of 12 could really, really change the style of – just change everything about this Liberty team, make it Katie Smith's team, and move to the future. Um, Side note, if you haven't picked up, Pat, Rachel, and I are open uh, Dallas Wings and Chicago Sky if you want to hire us. For taking over your team, uh, you know little, we have a whole structure little, plan. We have a structure plan. Obvi- don't worry. Obviously, Rachel would be the head coach. Don't worry about that. But we have a structure plan. Don't want to give away too much, so people might start stealing it and uh, you know Facebook us on this. But let's talk about what type of player they should go yeah. for. Assuming they have four open spots or two or three or whatever it is, that they're going to sign a rookie. Last year, I stood up very boldly and said they need a player who can control the pace of their offense. They need someone to dictate the offense. And when you have someone who does that, it will free things up for Tina Charles. Brittany Boyd, to me, she's a firecracker, but she's not that – she hasn't shown me yet that ability to really control an offense. Um, Haven't seen it from Becca Allen either. Sugar Rogers, jury's still out. Bria Hartley's good. Uh, I don't see that from her either. Kia Nurse obviously isn't in that role. Yeah. So for me, if you're asking me what type of player they go for, I say you go back to the drawing board and you look for a point guard. This is a guard-heavy draft. You look for a guard who can dictate your offense. So, Pat, what do you look? So for? you 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 don't think that Brittany Boyd should should start point guard? You think you would go for another point guard instead of her? I'm just just trying to get where you're thinking on it. Yeah, I mean you're putting me in a tough spot. No, I, all right. I'll say this. I remember the game that Brittany Boyd got injured. Madison Square Garden two years ago against Minnesota. Yep. I was at the game, and she showed me a yeah. lot. And I remember the whole game going, wow, this girl's got something. She could really, you know, turn some heads, do some stuff. I don't know if it was what was going on this season, her coming back from injury and whatnot. I have not yet seen her having that ability to dictate the pace of an okay. offense. Yeah. And to me, to me, that's that's really what right. it is. Um, right. I mean – I mean, yeah. I'm looking at it for this way. It's like, okay, you've got some nice – if you're looking at building this team, it's like, okay, I think you made a good point. If Kia Stokes is a good backup then to Zowie B, I think, you've got Tina starting at the four if you keep her there. You've got Kia Nurse who can play the two, come off the bench. She can – you know, she's got the flexibility where – and she can do a little bit. And the thing with Kia Nurse is so valuable. She can score. She can rebound. She can defend. She's kind of the multiple – can do a little bit of everything, the jack of all trades for the Liberty. Uh, She's in a, a great right, two-way. great two-way player. Um, you know, Brittany Boyd, I think can start at point guard. I think you've got you've got Bria Hartley. I think Sugar Rogers is a like. I don't think they should mess with her role. She is a sixth woman by nature. That's what she does. She's a scorer. Bring her off the bench and have her as a spark where she can shoot threes against opposing defenses. Now, when I look at the draft, I look and I go, okay, what do the Liberty need? What do they struggle with? And what is it? So look at the Liberty. It's like okay. 
They want to play a run-and-gun, up-tempo style, a, a shoot-happy, shoot-threes, get-up-and-running style of play. They want to they – it's an offensive-friendly team. What kind of player fits that? And I'm like, you know what? I look at right now, and the first player who comes to mind for me is Asia Dura out of Louisville. You know, that's just one player I see right now. Now I feel like everybody's going to want And that's the thing. Everyone's going to. Now, the Liberty, they're sitting there with the number two pick. They're in a great spot um, because I think, number one, I think there's a lot to be decided on, um, you know, at number one with, with with the Aces because the Aces are kind of in a spot where, you know, they've got, they don't necessarily need an Asia Dirt because they already have someone in that in Kayla McBride. You know, it's kind of a redundant position, if you get my drift, you know. Um, And so I don't, right now at least, again, I'm going to have to dig into this more during the offseason. This is kind of one of the things I'm excited to do is kind of see, kind of do some scouting and see, okay, which players would fit well with which WNBA team. And answer me this, over under, they go for T.R. McCown. Uh, The Liberty or or Aces? (laughs) Liberty. I mean, I can just I can see them do the it. Liberty will just you know they'll just try to recreate the wheel however they can you know they yeah, they I think I I think you look at it I think with Vegas their aces are I think what you look at and I'm not trying to get down to get on the aces rabbit hole but my point is is that I think there's so much there I think the I think if you're Bill Lambeer and the aces there they're hoping that Sabrina comes out of Oregon. They're hoping she declares or they would take her. I think the Liberty could find themselves. I know Asia Jr. is a very popular player, and she's probably going to be the she's going to be the preseason pick, very likely to be preseason player of the year in the ACC. And she's going to be, um, she's going to be, she's already all American. She's going to be one of the best players in college basketball this year to watch. But she is a, th- a great three point shooter who can get up and down the floor. A go to score for them on the perimeter is what they need. Someone who can give them instant offense, who can start like alongside Tina Charles. The only thing, though, is is that if you're looking for a downside, she's kind of like a Kelsey Mitchell a little bit, where she's a volume shooter a little bit, and she's going to shoot a lot. And, you know, sometimes it's going to be great, and sometimes you're going to have some crooked box scores. So, I mean, I look at it right now. I have to dive more into it as we get into the college basketball season. But right now I did a quick glance, and that's a player I think could fit with the Liberty really nicely. I think another one, too, if we're just going real quick here, um, is, is Katie Lou Samuelson out of UConn. Again, another three-point shooter. That's her specialty. I think she's going to be – I think the thing with her is that she's going to be a, kind of a specialist in the league, I think. I mean, I think we'll have to see. But, you know, I think um, I think that's another player too. Offensive-minded players that they can – that fit that system. Um, you know, because they don't need bigs, and there's a lot of good bigs that are coming out of this draft. So I think they got to look for guards, and I think like you and me both agree, they've got to look for perimeter help. If, if I'm the Liberty, I'm going for whoever's – and I've talked about this a lot in the past, and I don't think enough people do this in the W. You take the best available, and then you look to the people beyond you, and you say, oh, you really wanted this player. Let's talk trade. Um, this is who I want. And, you know, it, I want to see some some wheeling and dealing, some Schmay Dre going on with the Liberty this year, just, just in general when it comes to the draft. Yeah. Um, just a thought, and I want your reaction to this. I'm looking at this Liberty roster, and I mean this with all respect because obviously there's some amazing talent on it. To me, and I love the combo of Kia Nurse and, and, and Tina Charles, but to me I'm looking at this roster, and the thing that jumps out to me is this is a roster full of players who would be great, great 
uh, role players on a championship team. But this is not a roster of players that, you know, and, and, and maybe they get that team mindset and they can change things. But this is not a roster in my mind that that yells to me championship or winners. This yells you have a, an abundance of players that if they say, you know, if, if Minnesota would have had Prince or Zealous or Sugar, you know, yep. if if L.A. had the faith of those types of players, or even, honestly, if the Mercury had some of these players, you're talking about a very different WNBA yep. season. So, I, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Do you agree, disagree? Oh, you know, 100% agree. I mean, this is a team that's not built to win right now. I mean, this is a team that, I mean, I know there's times you can flip a switch, but, like, it's really hard to, and I think that, they don't have. They need to build the team. They need to rebuild this team, retool it. Um, you know, they need to. As I said, it goes back to. They need to find what fits with their system. What they want. Do they want to commit to this run and gun up and te- up tempo style? They need to find players who fit that style. You can't be playing with a a a twentieth century you know post play style that Lambeer had and expect them these players the same ones to get up and down the floor and play it in your style. Like it's not. A lot. It's it's not going to work as much, you know. You need players to fit the system, you know. And and it's it's you know it, it's kind of like in football, you know. It's very much football where you know football is a lot of you got to fit in players that fit the scheme. It's kind of the same thing. Um, so I think for me, it's just this is a team that's not prepared to win right now. They're not going to contend. Um, I I agree with you. This is a team that needs to accept reality for what it is right now, and they need to you know focus on a rebuild and. Do, get the pain out now. Dictate your own terms before they're dictated to you, because the Liberty are getting very, very close to having the terms dictated to them. They're going to have no choice but to rebuild. Do it now when you realize the, before the pain gets really, really bad. I agree with you, and, and based on that, we're going to close out this episode. I have three points. If you want to bring in uh, a final response or, or yes. comment, first point one. Hot take, not hot take. I think this team is five to six years away from being real championship contenders. So hopefully I see Katie Smith in horse in her sixth or seventh season as a head coach because I'd like to see her bring this team to it. Uh, number two of my three talking points would be Tina Charles leaving the yeah. team. No, you don't tune out and think I said she is leaving. There's been a lot of chit-chat about it. You know, would she demand a trade and get out? Keep in mind, she loves New York. She demanded a trade to she's go from to New, New York, York to get closer to she's from New York. She is all about New York. Uh, do I expect her to leave? No. Do I expect her to get cord? Yes. Only way she leaves is in a trade. No way. Uh, anybody, even the Liberty would be stupid enough to, to let her go for nothing. Hopefully we don't see another, uh, another Lena Deladon where, you know, demands a trade and all that jazz. And then we see a trade that, that ends up ruining a new coach's uh, career as a head coach, i.e. Amber Stocks. Last thing, uh, no news so far uh, coming from the ownership deals, but I do want to say, as we have many times, anytime we talk about the Liberty, it has to get brought up. Uh, the arena they played in was crap. It was embarrassing. It was a rec league. There was one bathroom in the locker room. It was an embarrassment. No professional sports team should have to play there. Heck, not even a G League team should have to play there. And, yeah, I, just, just embarrassing. Haven't heard any word. We have a few pipelines we're working on. Hopefully we can get some uh, insider information, insider trading, if you will, when it comes to what's going on with the Liberty. 
Um, but, you know, that that's a whole other episode that we'll get into. But we're talking about the rosters and the team now. Pat, anything you want to add to that before we Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned the Archer thing because we would be doing our listeners a disservice if we just talk about the Liberty and we avoid the elephant in the room, which is the ownership situation and the situation off the court. Um, as I said in, earlier in this podcast, this is a lot more complicated than just what's going on on the court. Um, this is a situation off the court that is not good. They play in a dump. I'm sorry. You don't have to like what I'm hearing. Lisa Borders, the league. I don't care if you're listening. I just, it's a dump. Like I, I've said it. I am. This is like trying to do these interviews they've done and the words they're putting around it by calling it like Cameron indoor comparing it to Duke. It's a freaking, I'm, I'm cutting my words out here, but it's a freaking embarrassment right. And, right. and it pisses me off that you can't even have the owner or sorry, the president of the league come out and say, you're right. Our players are top-notch players, and they should not be playing in this. And we're doing all you have to say is we're doing everything we can to find a better solution for next right. year. At least admit, at least accept. Uh, sorry, no, no, sorry. no. I, I, you're good. No, you're. I mean, you're you're right on the money. I mean, like it's lipstick on a pig. I mean, stop selling the fans a load of BS. I mean, they're they're not stupid. I mean, they're talking about. Well, as long as a good product exists on the floor. Well, if you've listened to the last 33 minutes of this podcast, you've realized that the product on the floor is not good. Uh, they're not getting a good product. This is not – they're not watching the Seattle Storm play on the court or the Minnesota Lynx from the last eight years play on the court. You know, they're watching a team that can barely scratch seven wins. So I – And good luck trying to get a free agent to join a team saying, oh, by the way, we play on this uh, – well, you could call it a rec center or an arena, whichever you right. prefer. Right, and so again, it's they play in this, you know, this arena. It's terrible. It's it's horrible conditions. I mean, we've had people in the league to describe to it us as, as disgusting, embarrassing. You know, just you know, smelly. I mean, people don't like this, and 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 if they want to keep painting this picture that it's this everything's all hunky dory and good, and and this it's just no. And you can't tell me that this hasn't had an it may not have had a direct impact, but impacts in a in a in a in a, in a maybe a, a more subtle way the team. I mean, when you if you're playing in in crappy conditions and you're playing in a gym that I have personally playing, having grown up playing basketball my entire life, I have played competitive basketball in nicer gyms than this. You're going to be pretty, you know, it's pretty demoralizing, and it's not fair to the fans. They have to take a train out, you know, you know, an hour outside of the city, give or take to come to a game when, you know, there's just, there's more better options than you just, so I guess what our point is, is now we'll close up here is just saying that like, it, it would be we're being a disservice if we don't talk about it. And we're not going to like sit here and be like, you know, and not pull punches and say, you know, it's, it's all good. They're going to find a new home or they, you know, everything's great in Westchester. No, it's not. And we're not going to sit here and play around and just act like this because this is not how people in the league really feel. And it's not how journalists feel about it. And it's like, it's just ridiculous. So I will say that. And then I will also to last point and I'll hand it back to you, Ari, is that you are a hundred percent right on the Tina Charles thing. I think there is more clap to it now than there has been the rumors and expectations that she could leave. And I think that I'm not, again, we're not saying that she's definitely going We have no inside information on that, but I think that there, it does lend to the fact that the, the speculation is obviously going to grow because this team is struggling. This team is maybe going in a different direction, and she's moving to the point of her career where she's going into her. her she's in. She's in. She's going into her early thirties, or she's in her early thirties, and she's 
might not want to be part of a whole rebuild. So I think that's something to keep a very close eye on this offseason. Yeah, it's interesting, and and we go into this and into this and into this, and that's more so the outlook coming forward. We want to dive into what happened throughout all the seasons, and we'll get into these other topics too. I do want to thank my main man, Pat Ralph, for joining me on this show. I'm Aria Schwartz. This has been the WNBA Insider Show. Each week we cover different topics important to the W. This time we covered the New York Liberty.